Hey guys. Um. Ooh, man. I don't know why, but it is friggin' bitter cold today. Well, doesn't matter why. It's cold. So, first off, good morning. I can see my breath on my car. It's lovely. Um, I am a bit late for work. It is Saturday. And there's no need to snow on the ground. It's a lovely day. And, um, yeah, just kind of loving that the roads are salted and not icy. This is a win. Um, so I have in front of me my level international rugby board. So there you go. You can date yourself there. Um, for you newcomers, this is what IRB is, what was now known as World Rugby. So it's old, but it basically has the same principles. Um, it is the IRB Level 2 Officiating Developing Officiating Skills Course Manual and Workbook. It's got a big picture of Nigel Owens on the center of it. It's a little green cover. And um, I drew a nice handlebar mustache on Mr. Nigel Owens with a nice set of mutton chops. And um, he's got his left fist raised in the air and you know, a couple tattoos on his neck and ears and stuff like that. So, yeah, I kind of had a fun time with it because, you know, this was a by far, um, well, not by far, other than the experience that I gained, but it was an excellent course. The guys there had a shit ton of knowledge. And um, hopefully I, you know, at least kept enough notes around and doodled enough so that I can share it with you guys. Um, I would turn the air down, but it's... As I said, it's fucking cold, so, um, you guys can hear me better, but I'm sure you'll hear me just fine. So, again, I'm grateful that it's mainly a straight shot. <clears throat> so, let me just read through the overview, um, overview module one. Uh, game knowledge, the principles of rugby, the game in which we officiate. Uh, module 2, management, refereeing principles and communication. Module 3 is planning, planning a season, identifying feedback, referee support, mental preparation. Module 4 is technical, which is the biggest chunk of the books, which is general aspects of law knowledge, touch judges and assistant referees, foul play, advantage, open play, the scrum, line out, the tackle, rock and mall. Module 5, IRB, Rugby Ready, and Laws of the Game, including the IRB Playing Charter. And Module 6 is Fitness. I absolutely love that fitness is the last thing on here, and it's the smallest. So, that's just, that's just me. So, <clears throat> um, so basically I'll just read snippets. The IRB Level 2 officiating course aims to develop match officials who have already collected some refereeing experience on their way. This course is delivered using the following structure. Um, so management, planning, and technical. Yeah. So basically, they kind of run through management, planning, and technical. They, it's just a, I'm sure it's excellent stuff, but a lot of it is just kind of like, hey, if you've refereed a little bit, you can read a or if you've lived a little bit and gone to school at all, you can experience, um, you know, 
It means they've got a cool, a lot of cool stuff here uh, in this booklet, which you could probably find online if you really wanted to. I'm skipping ahead a little bit. Also, this is not how I want to conduct this. I'd like to get. You know what? So let's just touch on the principles of rugby. This is something I can yak on about and not read, because I don't want to read while I'm driving, which is dangerous as fuck. So, um, Chapter 1, the principles of rugby. The principles of the game are the fundamentals on which the game is based. They, they enable participants to identify clearly what makes rugby distinctive as a sport. Contest for possession. So, the big thing about rugby... One of the biggest things is that everything is meant to be a contest. Everything. Every line-out, every tackle, every breakdown, every scrum, every grounding of the tr of the ball, every kick, every, you know, even the conversion is meant to be a contest. If the runner can run fast enough and then the kicker starts his approach, then he can grab the ball and stop him from making a conversion, which is amazing. It's like they've worked it into freaking everything. Every kickoff. Like, think about sevens for one second of the game. Every kickoff, it's not a guaranteed possession by any means. Anybody who's watched sevens for half a second knows the kickoffs are like, holy crap, the kicking team can score a try within like seven seconds. It's stupid. I mean, amazing stupid, but it's, it's you know, you think about it in football, this is the one thing I hate about, one of the many things I hate about football, is when they kick the ball off, now, I know they don't want the big run-up and the big contact. That's what they don't want, which I understand, which is dangerous and, you know, can cause a lot of injuries. But if I, I would love the rule, the law, or rule, whatever they have over there. If the ball did not at least bounce in the field of play, it starts on the 40. Kick it off, bounces on the 1, go to the 40. Go into the, goes into the end zone, great. They start on the one. Guess what? There'll be so many good runbacks. So much for... I mean, other than that, just don't waste my time. Just don't... You're wasting... I mean, as, I mean, football is an excellent example of wasting time, but this is dumb. Football is not meant to be a contest. Football is meant to be a spectacle and an advertising, land, like, land, you know, beachhead so that you are stuck in front of a television for four hours watching a 15-minute game. Time it. Next time, pull out a stopwatch, which you're watching a football game, from snap to the whistle that the ball is dead, averages like three seconds of play. And then the rest is downtime. I think it's 15 minutes for the entire game is what I've heard. The rest is just posturing and, and advertisement. So I get real sick of that. Um, so basically, everything is a contest. Um, and then it restarts. The initiative to commencement, the restart, is given to the team that has not made an error. So basically, they get a slight advantage. Um, They're giving small examples of like, hey, when you get tackled, you get to place the ball where you want. That's a small advantage. You know, they have, they have small advantages in the play, like lineouts. 
you um, the throwing team has their play set up and their you know misdirection set up so that you know where you should try to make the play, but the other team can try to anticipate that and read the calls or you know jump when you're jumping or block the front jump or whatever. There's a lot of things they can do to get in the way. Um, <clears throat> the second principle of rugby: attack and continuity of play. You love it when people are in front of you and they literally have to slow down to like 10 miles an hour to make a right hand turn they have yards they have just yards and yards for love it um, so if you didn't know this the uh, team in possession is by definition the attacking team it tries to advance the ball by carrying or kicking the ball forward in the direction of the opposing team's goal line or try line the attacking team's players can use both what the fuck are we reading and continuity of play. That was fucking dumb. Um, I'm just going to skip to the next one. Defense and regaining possession. <clears throat> so, if you didn't know this by now, the initial task of the team not in possession is to deny the attacking team space and time to advance the ball downfield. So basically, our, our the only thing that we have to take away from that is when we're denying when they are when their goal is to deny space, which actually is a good point. When our their goal is to deny space to the opposing team, our goal is to maintain that they're doing it in a legal manner because they are the ones who are going to cheat up on the offsides line every single time. They're the ones who are going to try to be offsides every single time. We just have to maintain that standard. So that's fair that you know. I had one coach tell me one time, he's like, guys, give yourself the gift of space. And he just said it in this very Zen master kind of way. And I think he got a, a laugh on it like 20% of the time, but it was still just kind of like, hey guys, give yourself the gift of space or I will grant it to you. You know, cause something like that. It's just like, you, you, it doesn't matter if you have the space or not, but you got to back up. Pretty much that's it. Um... So, yeah, I think just kind of, that's fair. Um, attack and defense. Another principle is a game of many aspects and abilities. A multifaceted game. So, basically, what this whole thing is, is everybody's got to do their own job. I, I personally love this aspect of it because... Again, comparative to football, each player has a very specified skill and skill set. And that is their job. That is the only job they do. So every snap, the center's job is to snap the ball and run a blocking scheme. Basically, get the ball into the quarterback's hands and defend the quarterback or the running back or whatever. That's the specific job that he's got. Right? The wide receiver's job is to go run and catch the ball. Quarterback's job is to pick the right receiver and throw the ball. It's, it's, they build it down, but that's it. There's no, I have to then do the work. I have to then do the defense. Like, this is, this is great at the highest levels of rugby because you have to have a multifaceted, like, you know, play caller. Like, I remember this was like, I think the first person who jumps to mind that did, that had a very one faceted game was Quade Cooper. 
for the Wallabies. He was a fantastic stepper, was brilliant at lower levels, really got up to the game, and, you know, made some very fair decisions, but he was a dancer. And when he released his back line, he got stuck. And he would try to dance, and he would try to control everything himself, which at some of the lower levels is incredibly fantastic and wildly entertaining. However, at the top level, you don't need that. You need a general who's going to marshal his troops and release the back line and, you know, get everyone to do their job. So I love this aspect of rugby that you have to have a two-faceted player. Um, like, that was the thing that they tried to do with the Wallabies. And, you know, and again, they were going through a rough rough patch with their selection process and their coaching turnover and stuff. But they had Quade Cooper play 10 on attack, and then he dropped to 15 on defense because he couldn't front up tackle because the forwards would just pound him. Um, he could, but it was just it, it wasn't his forte. And so I, I just kind of like that aspect of the game that it is a multifaceted game. It is going both ways. You have to, you know, you may have certain players who excel in different areas, but you need to have those people like Brody Retallick, who does freaking everything. The guy's a second rower. He's got a jaw like the size of like my head. And but guess what? You know what the one statistic that I remember when he won IRB Player of the Year or World Rugby Player of the Year or whatever it was um, was he had something like a ninety-seven percent clear out percentage. So when this guy hit a ruck, that ball was clean ninety-seven percent of the time. Like, I don't know what you attest that to. I didn't really dig into it too much. But I was like, holy crap. Like, that means that, you know, it it doesn't say that just him or just somebody else. But it's like, if somebody was poaching the ball and he went in, 97 out of 100 times, that guy was off. That means that 97 out of 100 times, that ball was not turned over. Now, the other guys might have been at 50%, but still... That I don't know what they were at, but it's they're probably like eighty-five or something like that. But that amount of proficiency, and then you see him like meeting up with the back line and just being like, "Yep, I got you guys. Don't worry about it. You know, I'll loop in and you know run a winger over for good good fun." So I, I just I love that aspect of the game that there are the players must play both ways, and I do enjoy it when it's usually like the fly half because you have like the. Um, the prima donnas and stuff like that that like to be I mean there are fly halves that are um, that have the stereotype of being not very um, they don't like to tackle or things like that okay there are some of them somebody's gonna get pissed off about that but I don't really care um, the point I'm trying to make is that there are players who like to do one thing over the other and the game of rugby doesn't really allow for that they just say hey you gotta do both so, I like that. And... What else do I got? Just pull into work. So we got a bit of time, though. My boss is not here. Um, the next thing. Let's just finish up the principles of rugby. Rewards and penalties. If a team is able to play within the laws, they will be rewarded. While if they choose to, they are forced to play outside the laws, they will be punished. Okay. Did you know that when someone gets penalized, there's a rewarding team and there's the penalized team? Shocking! 
All right, well, I will stop there um, and try to find some good stuff afterwards. But that was the principles of rugby. Going to the level two course. All right. Hey, guys. I am wrapping it up for the week. Final segment of the week. I am actually headed to my grandmother's 101st birthday party, which is kind of fucking awesome, so she's still a chipper old bird, hanging out, and still very much has her mental faculties, which is something I hope to have at a quarter of her age, or three quarters of her age, rather, 75, you know, hey, half, I would, I would even be okay if I was wit, I had my wits at 50, I would be pretty content with that, going by the weight that things are happening around here. Um, so I, um, I, this morning I started reading about the principles of rugby and all these different fun things that happen around it. I'm reading through my chapter, my level two workbook, and they're just going through the basics. Um, the next thing that pops up is, um, Task one, using the principles, use the principles of rugby to analyze the play of a team over about 10 minutes playing time. This is just a practice for one of the teams. Analyze their play by placing a tick in the appropriate column in the table on the following page when they execute the principle successfully, across when they do it unsuccessfully, or a comment relating to that principle. So this is just a drill that you can do when you're watching this. So how do... Hang on, I'm just going to pause for a minute and... Um, how do you decide if a team has been successful or unsuccessful? Principle one, the contest for possession. Note whether the team wins or loses the ball at kickoff, scrums, lineouts, play after a tackle, rucks, mauls when the ball is kicked or loose on the ground, blah, blah, blah. So basically, take all those principles I just talked about in my previous segment, read through them, and really just discover when good play has happened. That's pretty much the drill. What the frick is going on? Oh, please. I'm driving down a narrow road, and there's a bunch of cars parked on the side of the road, so it must be a memorial service or something going on. I don't know. All right, turn page. Chapter 2. You're not going to go? I'll go. Okay, cool. See ya. And through. Chapter 2, the game in which we officiate. I love this stuff. So, a learning outcome. A knowledge of the rugby environment within which the match official exists, and in particular the characteristics of the game, the way the game is played in an official's own country or region, is essential for the development and performance of the match official. So, basically, you need to know what is going on. At the conclusion of this module, you will have considered the basic aspects of your rugby environment, and you will be able to link these aspects to your refereeing and development as a match official. This will allow you to apply your findings to your on-field refereeing. So basically, they're going to teach you basic stuff that you need to know, and you will be able to apply it to the game. Okay. 
your rugby environment. It is true to say that the laws of the game are the same in whatever country and at whatever level a rugby match is played. But nevertheless, it is necessary to perceive the subtle differences in the way the game is played throughout the world. I love how they capitalize the game. Not the, but game is always capitalized. These varying expressions within the game throughout the rugby playing nations are a key feature of the worldwide face of the game of rugby union. The law book, on the other hand, is a general standard that has to be applied by referees in all countries and at all levels. The IRB, which is World Rugby Now, asks its referees to be consistent in the applications of these laws, yet in doing so acknowledges that the referee must be familiar with the environment in which he or she operates in order to apply them in the best way. In short, the match officials must understand not just the theory, but also the practice of refereeing. All right, so this is where it's very difficult to explain the laws to someone who has not studied the game, who has not played the game, and who has not really gone to the next level of, of playing a game at a high level. This is why they really headhunt high-level players who have played at a very competitive level and they just kind of are like, you need to come referee because you already understand a lot of the finer points of the game. So basically, players understand better and they can pick it up quicker. But if you rep, if you have played, players understand it better. But if you haven't played, you can still learn. It's doable, but you just got to get the big picture. You got to understand it. I've seen people who have, you know, refereed very little have picked up the game and done very well just simply by imitating. But imitating doesn't really give you a feel, an understanding of the game. It can give you a feel for the game. It can give you a, uh, in this situation, this is what Nigel Owens did, so blah, blah, blah. But it won't give you the thorough understanding, just as um, regurgitation of a passage. Sorry about that. The, uh, the wife called and uh, had to answer. We are going to a birthday party, but she's like, hey, um, I know you're on the road, but don't go here. I don't know where you want to go. And I'm like, I, I need direction. I'm in the car. I can't. It's not that easy. So, uh, whatever. So what I was saying was that basically being a player helps you understand the bigger picture of the game, but understanding the laws is fundamental. Being a player helps. It's like, just as I don't believe that if I read a passage, that's why I kind of paraphrase those passages. If I'm just reading a passage, I am not, I can regurgitate it and tell you exactly what it said. But if I can't regurgitate it in my, or bring it back up in my own words, I have not achieved understanding. Um, and that understanding comes with asking questions, really grilling yourself on them and beginning to understand fully in a deeper level what um, what that means. So, yeah, that's pretty much your rugby environment. So basically, go for, um, this is one phrase that I love, it's just called grok, G-R-O-K. And um, um, at this point, they... Uh, it's, it's from Stranger in a Strange Land, Robert A. Heinlein, I think is his name. Um, but there's this Martian human, and he must grok things. And if he groks things, he fully groks them. He fully understands them in every which way. So it's kind of cool. At this point, they say, uh, test one, uh, describe the main differences between representative rugby in your country, region, 
and that is played at top level countries. It should be pretty simple. You know, when you're refereeing high school, it should be different. You're, you're, you have to do a bit more teaching. Different things like that. So, task two link the most important differences to officiating in your country and identify a list, focused list for your match officials. Physical, technical, organizational, or ethical. And then points of focus. Interesting. Module 2, Management, Chapter 1, Referring Principles. So I'm going to go through this real fast and just kind of read this big circle thing. The whole referee. Um, this is a big oval-looking thing, and it's got a guy in the middle. Makes looks like he's making an emotion. And then I'm going to um, call it for the day because I got to... This is a good thing to think about. So the whole referee. There's physiological... So that's strength, aerobic, anaerobic, body fat, flexibility, speed, training plan, and nutrition. Physiological is pretty, pretty simple. That's just your fit. You have your psychological, which is planning, goal setting, visioning. Visioning. Relaxation, management, and personality. So basically how you're going to go about things. Your mannerisms, your nonverbal communications, your different things like that. Um, then you have your technical. It's materiality, advantage, positional play, tackle, ruck and maul, scrum, line out, and foul play. Um, basically, just the law book. Throw the law book at you and what they want you to do. Um, so you've got your physical aspect, you've got your psychological aspect, and you've got your technical aspect. Pretty simple. Those are the three big parts about the whole referee. Um, and there's a lot more going on right now. But I'm going to stop it there, guys. I I'm just kind of pretty exhausted. And I would like to... Um, yeah, I'm going to call it a day. I know it's early and I know I could have gone longer. But um, yeah, I'm excited to get into this stuff and see where it takes us. But I will talk to you guys on Tuesday.